0: everyone and welcome back to the podcast my first season my special guest today is a british-born spanish-based adventurer writer and windsurfing instructor in 2015 he achieved his childhood ambition to windsurf around britain becoming only the fourth person to complete the circumnavigation this way and the first to complete it alone without support the expedition started and ended at the town of clacton on sea this expedition included the following crossings Devon to South Wales via Lundy Island, South Wales to Southern Ireland, and Northern Ireland to Scotland. And if this wasn't arduous enough, in May 2017, he set off on a solo expedition to windsurf the European mainland coastline. He windsurfed a continuous track from Norway's Arctic as far as Batumi, Georgia in the Black Sea. He then took a ferry ride to Odessa, Ukraine, and from there he sailed his windsurfer to Romania and finally to Burgas in Bulgaria, arriving on June 10, 2019. And this was the end of the voyage. In two years, he had sailed about 16,000 kilometers, a distance that almost doubled the record for a windsurfing journey. During this time, he used his expedition website to raise funds for the Worldwide Fund for Nature. He is also author of the book, Longstanding Ambition, which chronicles his windsurf around Britain, and we're going to talk about that today. So, everyone, please help me welcome Jono Dunnett. Hey, Jono, how are you, sir?
1: Um, good, Greg. Yeah,
0: good. Thanks. Oh, thanks for uh, for coming on the show and agreeing to share your story. This is awesome. Thank you. A pleasure. A lot of my uh, listeners are uh, sailors and windsurfers. Me personally, I started I started off windsurfing as opposed to sailing because when I looked at windsurfers and I looked at sailors on the water, uh, water it seemed that windsurfing windsurfers are getting more of an adrenaline rush so would you both are fun but would you agree there's more of a an adrenaline rush in windsurfing
1: yeah certainly there can be but it's not it's not just the kind of excitement side that that draws me to windsurfing and the sea you know particularly as i get older
0: well before before we get older so i'd like you, you take me back to when you're younger like around what age did you start sailing or windsurfing and which one did you do first
1: uh, yeah, I I began dinghy sailing as well. I learned on a topper dinghy at Gunfleet Sailing Club in on the Essex coast. So that's North Sea, tangestry North Sea, uh, east coast of England. Yeah, so I and I yeah, I, I got into racing a bit there as well. And then my brother, who's a year younger than me, he learned to go surf. And yeah, I think you're right, it looked like he was having lots of fun. So I thought I've got to learn this. And then there, you know, we were a, a group of us growing up together. All windsurfing, so we had a pretty really good time of it. Windsurfing uh, from age 10 through, yeah, through our school years. Yeah,
0: was it your brother that taught you windsurfing?
1: Uh, we taught ourselves really. We, uh, it was a very kind of tidal place. Yeah, we spent the first, I don't know, first few months kind of, uh, yeah, we were kind of too small to lift a board by ourselves, so we kind of had to help each other and we to start a little bit go drifting off down tide. And then spend half the day trying to walk the gear back. So you had a good incentive to to, to learn and learn how to stay upwind.
0: Oh well, yeah, that yeah. Speaking of upwind, I uh, I've taught a lot of beginners uh, over ten years, and of course they're kind of frustrated that you know I used to say it takes about you know three minutes to go out and three weeks or three months to come back. So do you recall like how long it took? Like do you recall going out your first time and wondering why you couldn't get back? <laughs> Or because you were a sailor, you, I mean, you understood the wind, but so was it easier for you to get back to the beach, so to speak?
1: I guess so. I mean, uh, you know, it's, it's easy to blame the tools, but, you know, we were on sort of, we, we began on like yeah, a massive adult board with a tiny little tra- triangle sail because we were very small. So it was, it was almost, you know, it was never going to work you really to stay up in, So it was all about reducing your losses. But yeah, I mean, the sailing background certainly helped. To be honest, I'm you know was, that was all so young. I kind of struggled to remember.
0: But advancing, the then getting getting a you know harness on two feet in the straps, I guess it was it was pretty easy then for you.
1: Um yeah, I mean that that you know that's that that stage obviously was a little bit later, but certainly have clear memories of first, first time properly in the straps, properly planing, and very fond memories of those.
0: Yeah. Do you recall one of your uh, your best wipeouts on a windsurfer going Mach 3 or anything like that? <laughs> Did you hit uh, something in the water?
1: Yeah, well, there's been a lot of very memorable, spectacular wipeouts over the years. hitting fish, kind of, and then, you know, through in sort of more, you know, later on with uh, kind of racing with far too big sails and going over the backs of waves and burying the nose, you know, struggling or not managing to hold it all together. And, yeah, so it was a, a catalog of, of big white house, and in the waves, well, of course, I had my fair share of tumbles.
0: And you uh, you also taught sailing as you were growing up, also correct? Yeah. Did you teach yeah, on? Been, just, uh, did you teach on? Because here we have a lot of hobby catamarans, cat catamarans. Or were you teaching on lasers, uh, or were you just teaching on all sorts of sailing vessels?
1: No, I've been my, my teaching experience has all surfing really. I've yeah I've done I've done a bit of. Kind of teaching in dinghy sailing is more just kind of like hand-holding stuff really rather than teaching. I, I'm, I'm, I'm very kind of scrappy, self-taught, not doing things the right way when it comes to boats.
0: And around what, what time or period in your life did you start thinking about, hey, I wonder if I could windsurf around Britain? When did this idea start to enter your mind?
1: Okay, so I had to kind of uh, just refresh my Actually, you know, read the first part of the book to kind of remind myself because I hadn't hadn't thought hard about it. well, well I
0: do, well, for a while, yeah, no, but I do recall you, yeah. I do recall you mentioning that you you did find a book written by uh, Tim Batstone who did the you know the voyage in 1984. Only he had a, a yacht and and an inflatable dinghy following him around, but which enabled him, of course, to change sails in his board, whatever the wind wind conditions. But but you chose to not do that. You. You didn't want any help no one was following you around correct when you did yours no yeah so
1: i i, I did, it, did it solo i mean yeah the the, the, the idea for it i think came yeah you know, when i was growing up i did, did some racing around the uk with a with a friend and his parents who had a camper van and they used to they used to take us around doing doing the events and uh so i got to see a bit of the uk then and i think it was on those trips away that I thought well you know perhaps I could one day sail around Britain and, uh, and I was always trying to convince Clyde my friend to, um, to do it with me and but in the end I had to sort of concede that Clyde just wasn't up for it yeah eventually do it myself but the uh, I'd, 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 the attraction had always been to do it kind of without on the water sport, anyway because uh, because the kind of the purity of sailing without a kind of noisy engine by your side is just uh, that's what appeals to me really
0: well, well not only that, you I mean you couldn't change your sail. You recall what size sail you had? Was it a 62 or or larger? Like-
1: no, no, it's a it's a big so this is yeah, so raceboard by by that stage we're using quite you know quite big sails, 9.5 meter sails. So I, I've got a a 9.5 that was not a raceboard sail, It's a sail with more range that you can you know give a lot of tension to um let the top of the sail twist off and spill the wind. But it's still was, in retrospect, it was a little bit too big, but yes, I, I, but uh, but you know, in the lighter winds, yeah. You
0: know, well, you also needed the yeah. You long. also needed a larger volume board because, as I see from the photos, you had to you still had to bring gear. You had to put the gear somewhere, right? I mean, you're not going to carry it on your back, so you had designed a kind of um, was it a barrel? I guess you would call it that. You would store your yeah, back. exactly. <laughs> yeah, it, was
1: a, it it was a barrel and um, it was on the back of the board because. Yeah, I've worked out that it was, it was not going to be very nice sailing with extra weight on the front of the board, and yeah, particularly when it gets windier and uh, and the board's spearing through waves, you kind of need that part of the board as clear as possible. So it was a, a watertight barrel, 25, 26 litres on the back, and I had a small little backpack for some, you know, for sandwiches.
0: And of course, um, yeah, and before before you started this uh, expedition there was a lot of logistics to set up like i think you um you created a website so people could follow your or track your journey is that right
1: yeah that's right so i had a, a website where people could put you know who, who, who were uh, perhaps available and willing to offer a bit of support along the way a place to sleep or a hot meal and where they could put a pin on the on, on the map on the website and then and uh, you know contact a way of contact and uh yeah, before I launched the website, you know, I thought, hey, you know, this could be a total flop. But um, in fact, people were, you know, mega supportive and, and, and got behind me and I had loads of support on the way. And that was, um, yeah, that was a huge part of it.
0: And you also had a, uh, a radio, right, to so be in contact with, uh, I guess, well, not only Harbor Patrol, but I guess uh, anyone else in the frequency could, could read you, correct? Like if you got into trouble?
1: Um, I did, yeah. I mean, in my... In my in my, on my back, um, I had track, uh, in fact the track was in the, in the, in the barrel. So that was, that was relaying position to the website every 15 minutes. So there's a re, you know, real time track. And I did have a radio, but I think I only used it once. And you know, obviously when, when you're sailing, you've got both hands on the boom, it's not exactly easy to, um, to be getting, fiddling with electronics. Uh, and I had a, a GPS, but again, that's not particularly easy to use. It's, it's useful for the crossings where you've got an exact point you're heading to and it's all pre-programmed, but it's not, much, it's not very easy to use on the fly, just a, a basic GPS. And then I had just a phone. So most, most of the navigation was just an app on the phone. Yeah, and tr- trying to kind of um, you know, identify where you wanted to go by Google Maps. Well, not Google Maps, by yeah,
0: satellite imagery. I'm, just, I'm listening to you talk and I'm like, to me, this is such a massive, like, nowhere... Did I ever dream about, you know, I love windsurfing, but I wouldn't think to go around a country. So I'm just thinking of all the things that could go wrong. Like, uh, like, why would anyone in their right mind do this, you know? But it, it's still fascinating. Like, it's still incredible. I mean, your story is there is, there is even a lot of humorous parts of your book. Cause I, th- I think at one point, like, forgive me if I'm pronouncing this name wrong, you had arrived in, or no, you had arrived in Port 11 from. Was it Me- Mevegisi, I think?
1: Yeah, you're right, yeah. Yeah,
0: you ran ac- <laughs> I, can't, I, I can't. I can't repeat what the surfer – you ran across some <laughs> surfers, you told them where you had just windsurfed from, and they were kind of in disbelief that <laughs> somebody had windsurfed, you know, from Mevegisi <laughs> to Porth Levin. but I, I don't know. But these guys turned out to be really cool and all. You know, I just – you did meet a lot of interesting people along yeah. the way, and people are helping, but you also had some har- uh, harrowing, I think, points because – uh You know, when you're a windsurfer, you're kind of a spec to larger boats. Was it around Dover that, I don't know, I I think I was reading, I think, was was it Dover that you had a bit of an arduous crossing or am I getting that wrong?
1: Um, Well, getting around Dover was was the first kind of uh, reality check that, hey, this is going to be quite difficult. Where Basically, I just kind of got to the Dover Strait just too late, like just a few hours too late really before the wind was just coming up too strong. And uh, because if I'd have got through... Then I'd have had a good run on the south coast, like with the east, you know, with following winds and uh, make good progress, but I just didn't get through in time and um, I got kind of like trapped to the wrong side of Dover. And then, and then it's a bit you know, it's a big old port to get around, yeah. There's, uh, a, there's a lot of ferries,
0: tra- yeah. A lot of there's a lot of boat traffic, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was almost like yeah. you you arrived at rush hour <laughs> and we're trying yeah. to land, uh, so yeah, it was a. That one had me uh, like biting my fingernails because if you've ever been in a minor you know incident like that or, or a boat can't see you or whatever, but you, yeah, that one, that one had me a bit nervous for you, but I'm glad it worked out. <laughs> what do you do with a sail so large? Like how, how often was that you hit a lull? Like, did you just, did you just have to wait on your board for, I mean, you can't really pump, pump a sail that large. Can you To power yourself forward no, you, yeah you know you can yeah I mean
1: that's 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 why I took that style of board you know this kind of very long narrow race board it glides through the water but uh, it's much better than a normal windsurfer, than but, a normal kind of high wind wind yeah
0: but even though the sales model film I guess it would still be heavy right I mean weren't you exhausted uh, <laughs> at the end of the day I'm guessing
1: yeah definitely yeah I mean phys- physically it was, it was, I was pretty shattered at the end of most days but um you know i had done a bit of I've done a bit of kind of training, obviously, longer sails and things le- leading up to it. And then it's a long enough journey that provided you don't kind of, you know, go into it too hot, as it were, you know, you know, you kind of gradually build up the fitness and, uh, and get used to those long days. And then there's, you know, because you can't sail every day, you make, you know, there's some days when it's just too windy or there's no wind, then there's rests along the way that you make use of. But when the conditions are good, you have to push hard and make, make all the distance you can.
0: And you have to push even when you might not might not want to correct
1: Oh yeah yeah and, and, that, and that's kind of the big difference really between kind of doing some you know, you know maybe in some ways it's a bit similar to cycle touring, but on a bike, you can always stop you know you can always you can always say I've had enough today and just find a field and camp but um, but you've got to get on the sea you've, you've always got to get in somewhere, so that's oh. uh, very different in that respect.
0: Well, yeah, you mentioned camping because I don't, I don't want the listeners to think that you were staying in five-star har- five hotels. There was points where you actually had to camp under your sail, right? That was your tent, right? It was your sail. That was your protection from the wind and rain, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. And so um, I use the sail as a shelter, sort of just kind of pin it up into the wind and find a stick or something to, to hold the boom up and just
0: shelter under, under the boom there. And, and it you- works really well. Yeah, but you're, so you're someone who's able to sleep in conditions like that? Yeah, I mean, I had a sleeping bag and I had a blow up
1: mat and, yeah, by the end of it, it's, you know, you you sleep, sleep better under the sail than anywhere else, really.
0: Really? Oh, God. Okay. I could. <laughs> that's part I, that's a part I would really struggle with, you know, let alone the whole journey you did. But uh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I can't sleep, uh, like lying, lying on the ground. But, uh, well, that's good that you can. So that must have helped. Uh, you were, I guess, more, you're never fully a hundred percent, I guess, when you set out, but at least you had some, had some sleep. Can you pinpoint part of the journey? Like at one point, cause I, I read a lot of accounts of people that sail around the world and, you know, they hit the doldrums. And even though it is great being by yourself on the sea, did it ever get, too lonely at times, like in between land, uh, land crossings or I, I don't, I don't think so. I mean,
1: to be honest, when you, when like, you know, you've already, you know, you said about landing at, uh, there's Portleven and, um, and had a great welcome there. And I had a great welcome at many, many places. And that's another thing about sailing with a kind of unusual looking craft is that it's like you're announcing your arrival. So you almost, you know, if there's people around, it's very likely that you're going to strike up a conversation and have company uh, because you kind of you stand out in a big way. So, so there is no shortage of company on land. And to be honest, you know, sometimes you know the balance works. It was nice to have a bit of <laughs> kind of solitary time as well at sea.
0: Yeah, I think at one point I think you met an elderly couple who were in a sailing boat, and they showed you a lot of kindness. Didn't they invite you back to their place or something to eat? Uh,
1: yeah. Yeah. I mean, probably on a number of occasions. I'm not, you know, I think I know who you're referring to, but, um, but yeah, I spent a, a number of nights on, 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 on boats where I you know, showed, showed up somewhere and they said, you know,
0: do you need a, need a place? Need a, did the you know, um, need a birth? Yeah. Did the uh, kindness of strangers uh, surprise you or did it surprise <laughs> you every time?
1: I, I mean, the extent of it, I'm, I'm sure it did. I mean, I guess I must've been kind of, you know, somewhat kind of thinking that I'd find you know, some help along the way. And I had a lot of contacts or kind of people I half knew as well along, you know, around the trip that I thought that I'm you know, pretty much guaranteed I'm going to get a rest there. So that enabled me to, to kind of chunk the journey into bits. So rather than looking at the whole thing as one enormous undertaking, it was like, okay, so I just got to get here.
0: And was there a part of the...
1: Yeah, the next leg is like
0: 200, yeah. Was there a part of the journey that you would say was the hardest? Was it when you were three quarters done, halfway done? Would you say there was, do you recall one point where you just thought this is the hardest it'll get?
1: I guess the kind of, once I'd got across to Ireland and made that, um, you know, the the longest sort of open sea crossing part, once I'd got that done, I started to feel more settled. Uh, you know, certainly, I had a, I had a very rough time going around uh, Land's End and that kind of I'd, I'd say that kind of you know, that was traumatic, definitely. But but once and then I was very fearful for you know for, for the upcoming crossings. So once I'd got the the, lo- the longest cross crossing done, I started to to calm down a bit. Yeah,
0: and and roughly how long did it take the whole trip from start to finish?
1: Uh, I think I think it's ninety eight days.
0: Yeah. Wow. Yikes. Okay. <laughs> As, uh, do you know if anyone has tried to uh, duplicate what you've done since 2015? Do you, do you know? Or uh, are you the um, last I don't think person? Anyone's
1: tried. I don't think anyone's tried going around the UK again. I know there's uh, I've, I've you know, heard from a few people who have been doing kind of smaller kind of journeys, but the same kind of style with you know, carrying, carrying gear and camping on instead boards. So it's a, it's a small, small community of people who, who do it, but, you know, it's the, the kind of the possibilities that opens up on a windsurf board are, you yeah, know, it's amazing.
0: And I assume during these 98 days, like you learned a lot about your, your equipment and like, so did you, um, not, not asking what would you have done better, but, uh, would you have. Maybe brought more gear, less gear, or like something you could have used. Like ah, I should have brought that. Was there? I guess you had time to reflect on all that as you were doing the crossing. Correct. It's
1: kind of like there's. It's like there's key problems, and once you've resolved those, it kind of opens up a big another kind of kind of world of possibilities. So the first problem, which I did solve going around britain was carrying gear and the the barrel on the the back of the board was just ideal for that uh because it didn't it didn't disturb the sailing at all it was very pleasant to sail with and i could carry just enough gear what i I didn't fix going around britain was what what to do when the wind really drops to nothing um because it was uh, you know i'm sure you've tried paddling of insert board with a rigged sail yeah I, really I, awkward
0: yeah I read that part yeah you had to you kind of put it on the uh the boom uh, well the um the uh yeah you put it kind of on the back of the board right and then you have to find room for yourself to lie on your stomach and paddle correct
1: yeah so so I mean that's what I, I tried going, going around Britain but it is uh you know it's pretty desperately uncomfortable and it's not a kind of it's not the sort of thing you're going to self-rescue from any distance or in a, in a, in any kind of sort of sea so so i hadn't really got that fixed but then for the for the journey around europe i did get that fixed as well and and that that and that meant that that kind of fear of being left without wind uh, was much reduced
0: now during these uh these lulls in the wind did any uh, animals come visit you, like seals or sharks or dolphins? Did you encounter anything scary like that or not scary?
1: Lots of seals, uh, particularly the east coast of, uh, of England and Ireland. And then on the west coast, more dolphins. And uh, yeah, I did have uh, a, few, a few times with dolphins when the dolphins were kind of yeah, not not that my board made much of a bow wave, but when I had the dolphins, you know, alongside, and you could look down into the water, and the dolphins would be kind of looking up at you and just accompanying you uh for quite a quite a way. So that was very special.
0: Yeah, it's moments like that where you you kind of forget everything else, right? Like here I am, I'm all alone, and there's dolphins. To- totally. Yeah. Like it's like okay, so it's going to be all right. The dolphins are here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it totally
1: totally puts your mind at rest. Yeah, even if even if you're like you're miles from land and it's like you've got no reason to have a an at rest mind, but like, oh, the dolphins will show that all's
0: good. Yeah, that that's the right kind of fin you want to see coming out of the water. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, can you describe it at all? Like, was you're nearing the end of your 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 voyage, like arriving back on the beach that you had first left? Uh, I guess you had a you had quite a crowd there. I saw in your photos. Uh, what's that? What's that feeling like? Yeah, it's
1: good. So, I mean, it was a, a little bit kind of you know because. Like my brother had uh, kind of organised a little bit of a crowd. We were trying to kind of um, sail to a timetable and and be there at the right time. But it was, it was really good. The last the last day, I said because um, yeah, my my brother who's also a Greg and um, and Clyde they showed up and we we all sailed the last leg together. And it was quite you know it's quite interesting because it's a different sort of sailing when you're sailing with friends. It's it's a bit more competitive and you're trying to kind of go faster than 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 the other one. So it's you know, and I kind of realized that, you know, going around when you're sailing kind of like eight or nine hours a day, you're sailing at, you know, at 85, 90% maximum. And when you're sailing with friends, you're going for it fully and it's much more tiring. So it's uh, kind
0: of fun. So are you saying on the on the last leg of your journey, your competitive edge took over and you guys were trying to race uh, each other to the beach?
1: Uh absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> but you had a quite of a kind of a weight disadvantage. I mean, they didn't have the gear you were... <laughs> It's kind of not yeah. fair. Not not fair. I'd say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I had a barrel, but uh, <laughs> yeah.
1: But I also had a bit more practice than them. Uh, than okay. the last, last few months.
0: <laughs> and about uh, how long of a rest did you take? Uh, you know, before you, you know, you get, you decide to, you know, when surf the European mainland. Like, how much rest did you give yourself? Like, I, I would have given myself a year. But were you starting? How long after were you starting to think, hey, I'd like to do something like that again? Like, how long, uh, Six months? Three months? I'm not, I'm not sure, but I'm definitely
1: kind of fairly linear with how I do things. It's like one thing, then the next. So the thing after, after surfing around Britain was writing the book about it, which I, like, you know, I never thought I had a book in me and, um, and then kind of, you know, two thirds of the way around, yeah, people have been saying, yeah,
0: you can write the book. you're write the book. Well, yeah, you have a very good memory. Cause I was very impressed about how you could remember Were you taking a journal? Like, i was yeah so uh, I, was, I was
1: recording recording notes in my, in my phone okay. on the off chance that i might write a book i think
0: okay and did you like the process of writing your book
1: i did yeah it was very much kind of it was like a repeat of the emotions of of been around britain and and also you know i you know it would, it would be a shame to to do something like that i think and and not and never kind of revisit it so yeah i mean in some ways I write in some ways I write write the book for myself to kind of to um to read again when, when I'm yeah looking back <laughs> from some
0: future point. Well yeah, just like you you had read Tim Batstone's book somewhere right now. There's some lad in England or Ireland that's reading your book. So it's kind of a it's a pretty cool process, I think, that you know yeah. you might be yeah. inspiring someone else to do the trip that you yeah. did and you you chrono- chronicled it all, you know, and yeah so uh and um, uh, roughly how long did it take you to finish the book? Um, I don't know. I, was, I, I kind of set
1: myself a, I mean, the, the format of the book is it's kind of like a diary. Yeah. So I tried to write a day a day and then, then go and do something else. That's how I, how I went at it.
0: Okay. So, so prior to May 17, like, so why would you, after doing something that was incredibly hard, what, want to do something even, even harder by, by windsurfing the European mainland? Like, um, had you, I mean, I know you were in Europe for a bit, right? Like um, working. So, but why, why would you decide to do that? Well, you say it was
1: incredibly hard, but I mean, what it was, was an incredible experience. And at the end of it, I, you know, because it's not, you know, it's, it's, it's something you pace yourself as you're doing. It wasn't like I reached the end and collapsed. I, was, I kind of reached the end and was in kind of the best shape of my life, really. And um, so I knew that it was definitely possible to, to, to keep going. Yeah, I mean, I kind of, you know, I knew I had the opportunity. And I I'd kind of like, you know, got kind of solved this problem of how to carry gear. And I had some ideas about how to solve the problem of, of, of um, getting the calm. It's- see yeah and um so and i i'm kind of going around britain like you know britain was is my home my home island and then i thought well you know after so going around britain was a way to kind of get to know britain and then i thought well what's the, the you know the next layer the next layer is kind of you know continent so um that was kind of
0: the the idea yeah are you gonna win surf to coastline in Canada next? I'm just kidding i we would love to have you here if you're thinking about it okay. <laughs> or are or you just can't say like are you are you planning something else now or you're just gonna, i know you're I know you're currently writing writing your second book, you're writing your experience about your your solo expedition around the European mainland, so you're currently in in the writing process or almost finished that
1: book yeah, so that that book's almost finished yeah is it's actually kind of written but um rather than rush to publish it and it not be quite polished enough i'll i'll probably go for publishing in the in the autumn to leave the summer clear and the, the idea in the summer is to actually i've got i've got a kind of classic dinghy called a sea fly and the idea is to uh take that around on island oh. on a bit of a summer summer journey
0: yeah oh, oh really yeah that's fine yeah <laughs> And uh, by, by dinghy, because I think we use a different term here. Like, so the dinghy is the very, very small boat, correct? Kind of like a laser? Is it, are those similar?
1: Yeah. So, so the, I, don't, I don't know if, you've, uh, if you're familiar with a Wayfarer.
0: I've heard of it, yes. Yeah.
1: So it's a boat with uh, a mainsail and, uh, and a jib and a spinnaker. And um, so, it's, so a Seaflyer is, is you know, a two-person boat, a little bit smaller than a, than a Wayfarer, and hopefully... But yeah, it is um, a lot lighter as well because um, obviously you don't have a launching trolley with you when you're doing a, a journey. So we have to have a system for pulling it up the beach at the end of the day. This is something you would do alone? Uh, this is with my kind of adventure partner. Uh, she's called Helena, and she's, um, uh, I met her in Norway. She helped with the kind of uh, logistics at the beginning of uh, round Europe expedition. And, um, yeah, she's into kind of adventure stuff. She's skied across Greenland and things. Uh, she's not much of a sailor yet. So, um, so that you know, it's an interesting kind of twist. <laughs> She'll be learning to sail going around Ireland.
0: <laughs> no problem there. <laughs> yeah. well, I guess you can store, uh, yeah. In a dinghy, I guess you have a bit much more storage space than your, your windsurf board, right? <laughs> I mean, slightly more. Um,
1: yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna go real luxury with two
0: barrels each. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> now, uh, would you be willing to uh, at a later date when you're published? Because I really would like to hear about your um, your European trip there, your windsurfing trip. Would you be uh, willing to maybe come back on and discuss that one? Yeah, absolutely. I I would definitely like to read the book first when you've uh, yeah, published great. it. So all right. Yeah. Am I forgetting anything else to ask you or anything else you wanted to say? I'm going to put all, all your links in the, uh, in the episode description, people where to, where to get your book and all that. But uh, is there anything else uh, you'd like to say or something I forgot to ask you?
1: No, Greg. And uh, if, if there is, then you can, you can get me on the next one.
0: Okay, great. Awesome. Thanks. Well, thanks so much for, uh, for sharing your story with us, Jono. That was really kind of you. Thank you. Pleasure. All right, everyone. That was from England, living in Spain, Mr. Jono Dunnett. Don't worry, I'll put all the links where to find him in the episode description. Thank you for listening. We'll see you all next week. Bye. Say bye, Jono. Bye-bye.